What's going on, everyone? This is episode 35 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Balafato. He is Joe Fan. We are here in the beautiful Win Las Vegas Blue Wire studio. Joey, what's going on? Joey, Joey Vegas. Joey. I'm doing great. I had a wonderful weekend, betting and otherwise. Um, so zero complaints. It's it's fun to come into the studio. I also keep forgetting it's Tuesday instead of Monday. We're used to doing this Monday. Had the holiday. Hope you guys all had a great holiday um, on Monday. But it, it is nice to show up on a Tuesday morning now that all of Wild Card Weekend is complete. We get to look ahead to the divisional round of the special guest, John Middlecoff, um, who we're excited to chat with. But there's lots to discuss from the weekend. And thankfully, you and I are on the positive end of, of pretty much every result. We are. We love to have that. I had kind of a cold week the week before. And you know what happens? Ebbs and flows. We always talk about it. So I did need a good week. Luckily, I did have it. Before we get to some of our wins and losses, I need to know the golf game. Did we get back out on the course? What's it looking like? Yeah, no, how I normally do it is I will I will build myself up to a peak, shoot a personal best, and then fall off a cliff. And we are currently free falling off of that cliff. Free. We got to the 75. So we reached our highest free peak yet. Falling. Not Everest, because that's like shooting par, but, you know, uh, whatever, you know, Mount Rainier will say. I reached that, and then I jumped off. We're falling. Parachute? We're falling. You got parachute, Yeah, though? hopefully we hit the ground here soon, and we can start working our way back up again, but it's not pretty currently. Uh, but you know what? We don't, we, you know, we smile that it happened. Mm-hmm. That old 75. Mm-hmm. Seems the like a distant memory now. I'm going to frame it for you. I'm going to frame you in the flagpole picture. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we got an update for all of those wondering about Joe's golf game. Me- means a ton. And now we'll get back into football. Uh, my victory lap is also sort of my L because I teased Tampa, the Chiefs, and the Niners, and I didn't have to. The tees are hit, but I could have just played them straight against the spread, and I didn't. So it's like sort of my L because I lost out on money I could have won, but it hit. Go me. We'll break down the games in, in a second here. Yeah. I'm going to take some time on this one because I've got a lot of victory laps to take. I'm just, I've been running circles around that track because there are no L's for me to hold, which is a first. Uh, It's funny how, you know, hindsight remains undefeated. And when you lose on a given weekend, I'm a pretty conservative better to begin with. And I'm super fine admitting that. Uh, But you, you have a bad weekend. You're like, that's why. Thank goodness I didn't bet big. And then you have a weekend like this where I went six for six. I was on the right side of every game this weekend. And you think, man, if only I just put one rent check on that teaser or parlay. I was on the right side of all of it. The only spreads I didn't touch uh, were the Rams game and the Bucks game because I just didn't know if the Cardinals and Eagles were going to be able to hang around, potential backdoor cover, that sort of thing. But I had all of them in teasers. So I teased the entire slate, all six games. That cashed last night with the Rams covering, obviously, easily. Uh, I didn't hedge, which was great. So I cashed the full ticket. I parlayed Bills and Bengals against the spread on Saturday. I parlayed uh, Niners money line and Chiefs against the spread on Sunday. Um, I also had a big money line parlay. Everything hit. I didn't lose a single ticket. It was a very profitable weekend. So it was a ton of fun for your boy. And then my best bet last week. So we were 0-3 on our winning picks. Um, and we exercised those demons. I my My best play of the week was Niners money line at plus 135. You might have got it at even better odds than that um, if you got it earlier in the week. Um, and they should have won super comfortably. Ended up being a ridiculous sweat down the stretch. We'll get to that. But a really fun weekend at the betting uh, window for ya boy. So you went 6-0? and Went I, a handful. I mean, there were probably seven total plays and they all cashed. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. I went eight and two. The only two that didn't were Hurts rushing, which I, it came out later that he was dealing with some injuries. So or some bothersome injury uh, and probably would have hit if not. And then Damian Harris, anytime touchdown. Those were the only two that didn't hit. And Harris's numbers were ridiculous in terms of how many touchdowns he's had. So that was a disappointing one. But I mean, that, that came in general was disappointing. Defense, so yeah. <laughs> that's just we'll get there. Let's do that. Let's get there with the Super Wild Card recap. We'll start with the Bengals, though, because as you all know, if you've been listening, that's Joe and I's adopted team. They won their first playoff game since 1991. However, left far too many points on the field. Very frustrating watching that. Not scoring a touchdown in the second half, but they still win and cover 26-19. This was sort of split in terms of win bet money action. 55% of the ATS handle was on the Bengals here. 
the same, actually, same number for the money line. And there's really like no other way to start this than for me to fangirl over my guy, Joey B. Over the past five games, he has had 13 touchdowns without one interception. And as we know, that was his issue. He looked good. He's always been good, but interceptions were his issue. No longer, knock on wood for right now. He's had a passer rating of at least 100 in each of those five games. Leads the league in completion percentage. So he had two passing touchdowns in this game. Controversial because everyone's saying he got one free because of the phantom whistle when he found Boyd in the end zone late in the second on third down. Joe, I will uh, get your take on that in a second here. So everyone says that was a free touchdown, which technically the whistle blew it dead. So maybe, but I was on the Bengals, so I wasn't complaining. Eight field, goal, eight field goals in this one. Uh, so apologies to the overbetters. And that made us sweat more than we had to with the Bengals spread. Is it a free touchdown? Should it have been called back? What's It should have because the rule book clearly states if, a, if an inadvertent whistle is blown during a play, the play is blown dead and they redo it. Just re-rack it. Both teams... And fan bases have legitimate qualms here. If you're a Bengals fan, you watch that play. You know when the whistle blows and the ball is in the air, Tyler Boyd is wide open in the end zone. That touchdown is happening. Right. So should they have taken it off the board as they should have because of more incompetent officiating, which is very on par for Jerome Boger's crew. And I'm super thankful, as is every NFL fan, that we don't have to see his crew for the remainder of this postseason. But then if you're a Raiders fan, you're saying, yeah, it, it should have been a touchdown, but follow the damn rule book. It exists for a reason. It's not our fault you guys are incompetent. So both fans have legitimate uh, cases to be made here. The Bengals were the better team. We knew we were going to have to sweat it, even though we knew that they were going in because the Raiders are a weird team. Their run defense has certainly improved. Darren Waller was back. Derek Carr has been clutch in big moments. Um, and we had to sweat accordingly the horrific punt uh, that led to that before that final drive, the awful roughing the passer penalty, the clutch third and what, 17 completion to Darren Waller. It all led to a major sweat, um, but we ultimately came out alive because the Bengals came through. So um, Bengals, everyone's going to be paying attention to Chiefs Bills for good reason. It's the game of the weekend of the divisional round. But I, I personally also can't, I think all four of these games coming up, are going to be tremendous. And I think Bengals-Titans should be uh, certainly both teams that love to play close games. Oh, absolutely. And Titans laying three and a half. We'll get into that game a little bit with our guest, John Middlecoff, today. You mentioned the Bills. This game, as a Patriots fan, was absolutely brutal. I did not expect it to turn out this way. Bills were laying four. They win 47 to 17. My God. Josh Allen, 21 for 25, 308 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 66 yards on the ground. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. He actually was trying to throw it away at one point, ended up being a touchdown pass to Dawson Knox. What oh, the hell, man? Oh, that was What the hell? It was he's, casual. He said, he, he said after. Did he really I, say that? He, yeah. This uh, reporter tweeted, she's like, Josh Allen said I was trying to throw it away. And then I kept, because they didn't put the points up for a little bit after. And he was like, I just didn't even realize that's. <laughs> I gotta go back and look at that quote. What a, yeah, I'll have to turns send from it a to really you. slick, casual so like touchdown even, pass from a really terrible throwaway attempt. Yeah. That, that just, thing should have been in the fourth row. But that just goes to show you this game was never in the Patriots' hands, unfortunately. Uh, Bill's the first NFL team to score touchdowns on all seven possessions. Never faced a fourth down because they didn't need to. Ugh. When the only team to go an entire playoff game without a punt, field goal, or a turnover. Worst loss of Bill Belichick's playoff career. He will never forget this one. Mac Jones, two interceptions, but the run game didn't get going. The defense looked terrible. This was not Mac Jones' fault. He was a rookie quarterback heading into a very difficult situation. There's not much he could do. Just a terrible showing for the Patriots. Yeah, it was a comprehensive beatdown here. And I, and I said going into this game, and I've said a couple times this season, when the discrepancy at quarterback is as big as it is in this game, and that's not to take away from Mac Jones, a young quarterback with a bright future, had a really promising rookie season. But Josh Allen's now going to be a perennial MVP candidate for a reason. He is, in my opinion, the most dominant dual-threat quarterback in football. And so disrespect to Lamar Jackson, I just think that much more of Josh Allen as a passer. 
And he's certainly a more physical runner, even though he doesn't have the top end speed um, of Lamar Jackson and potentially some of the make you miss stuff in the open field, even though as Josh Allen showed us, he certainly has that in spades as well. I love that they're getting Devin, they're getting Devin Singletary involved. He's got seven touchdowns over his last five games, 80 plus yards in four of them. They have a consistent running game that doesn't mean Josh Allen does everything. That's huge. It was really impressive. There was an open man on every play, and Josh Allen hit him every time. His throws in the red zone were tremendous, even if one was a bit lucky. Um, this game from the jump, as we've seen from many others uh, this weekend, four of the six um, was just dominated by one team. So the, the Bills were the better team. Patriots probably overachieved a bit this year. The future is still bright there, but um, it sets the table for for Bills Chiefs that should be, uh, and at many of your viewing is the, the AFC Championship game. Well, and that's the thing too is, it's funny because a lot of Boston, I follow a lot of different Boston media personalities on Twitter and everyone's hammering the Patriots. It's like, did we really expect? I mean, I didn't. And I said it too. We've been seeing their defense kind of fall apart a little bit. Mac Jones has no weapons. He has no, he's hitting the guys right on the numbers and they're still not catching the ball. So when you're really relying on Damian Harris to do everything, it's like, what do you expect? And Ramondre Stevenson, like, we're leaning on the run game the whole time. This is a rookie quarterback, like you said, with a bright future. But right now, he has no one to be great. So what did we expect? Everyone's hammering the Patriots. They should be ashamed, blah, blah, blah. Yes, of course, it was a terrible loss. But what were you expecting? They were playing above expectations when they went on that little run. So everyone lay off Mac. <laughs> yeah, the Bills are just a better team, and they played yeah, like it. They, 100%. They, they played... You know, the second time they played, the Bills dominated that game. Now the Patriots were able to hang around and keep it to, what, 12-point margin. So it didn't look like a blowout, but the Bills really dominated that game in New England. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised it was as big of a blowout. I'm not surprised the Bills won comfortably. Right. And again, I keep saying this, the key for them, too, is that the fact that they're not one-dimensional anymore. Yep. At first, it was easy to play them because we knew all they were going to do is pass the ball. Now they have a run game, so it makes them, as a team, a dual threat. Bucks were laying eight. They crushed the Eagles in Brady's first home playoff game in Tampa, 31-15. They got an early lead, 17-0 by halftime. Dominated all three phases pretty much from the start. Tom Brady threw for two, 270 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And it is impressive, I think, that the offense does look as good as it does, even with the injuries, with A.B. out, Chris Godwin gone, no Fournette in this one either. Mike Evans stepped up big. Like, all you really need is Mike Evans and Gronk. So God forbid one of them goes down, then you're really screwed. But Mike Evans, nine catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. Giovanni Bernard was actually used in the running and passing game. So we might be seeing a lot more of him in these future games. Gronk anytime touchdown hit for me. He always comes out big in these games. Not a huge game overall, but you know, he had a touchdown. So defense played well, two interceptions, held Eagles to 95 yards rushing. And this was, at the time, statistically the best running offense in football, held to 95 yards rushing. Yeah, this was an interesting one for all betters because you look at the win and bet numbers and 51% of the against the spread handle was on the Eagles. So, so betters were really split down the middle. And you saw that, that line come down where it opened maybe at eight, eight, eight and a half, nine, ended up coming down to where it was almost a touchdown. And the Bucks blow them out. This is one I didn't feel super comfortable with. I thought maybe the Eagles hang around because of the running game. Maybe they're, then you get to the playoffs, you're like, no, this is Tom Brady against a very average Eagles team that plays in the, the worst division in football and doesn't deserve to probably be in the playoffs to begin with. And that's the result you saw. I don't think I watched this game and say, you know, man, the Bucks are going back to the Super Bowl. They've still got a long road ahead. And I think the NFC's top four teams are very much all on their level. Um, but it's a good reminder of Tom Brady in the playoffs. Damn near flawless, 29 of 37, 271, two touchdowns, no picks. Mike Evans, an absolute monster. Um, it's amazing you can lose so many pieces and still have a true alpha. And that's what Mike Williams is. Mm -hmm. This offense still plenty capable. And uh, you saw it on Sunday. In hindsight, though, it is sort of weird to be like, why were we unsure about the Bucks against the Eagles? <laughs> Isn't that hindsight just weird? Hindsight is undefeated. <laughs> hindsight is twenty but of course it was the fact that the Eagles have a strong run game, but the Bucks just took it away. That's eight and a half is a so. lot. And no, so it you're is, thinking, yeah. 
It's a playoff game. They can hang around. Well, that's why no. I teased them, right? No, they can't. That's, that's why I, I teased them. I took yeah. Bucks money line in a parlay, and I teased them as well. So I still found a way to make this game profitable. But again, looking back, it, it could have been much more so. Uh, the Bucks will host the Rams on Sunday. Bucks lane three. We will get into that in a little bit. But first, let's talk the Niners, a dog that Joe and I were both on. They were getting three. They get the win 23-17 over the Cowboys. Joe already mentioned it a little bit. Should have been sweat free, but we got a little sweat going down the stretch. And I actually watched this game at Stadium Swim here in Vegas. And it was so awesome to see the Cowboys fan. I know that I was, you know, I had the Cowboys over nine and a half wins. So for that time, I was like, go Cowboys. Now I'm like, I don't really care. To see the Cowboys fans just, and everyone's hammered too. So like everyone's getting in fights with all the Niners fans. And oh God, it was great. But anyways, uh, Jimmy G was okay. He had a clean first half, not so much in the second. Threw for only 172 yards, no that touchdowns. That was the kindest way to And an interception. I mean, he did have Just a clean first half, though. He did, kindest. right? You can say he I, played okay. I said okay. he didn't, he didn't do much. He, he played, played okay. okay. You can say he played okay. It's a I very, mean, very, they, very liberal they, use of they, the word okay. <laughs> they won. <laughs> uh, but no, it was really Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, big in the run game. Uh, combined for 168 yards, two touchdowns. Niners led 23-7 in the fourth quarter. So like Joe said, we shouldn't have been sweating this game. Cowboys come back, cut the lead 23-17. <laughs> the final drive for the Cowboys. I just, I need to hear it from your point of view. Because when I watch moments like that in games, I can just hear Joe screaming. So here's how my Sunday went. I got invited to play golf at Wolf Creek, which is up in Mesquite. It's about an hour to 90 minutes away. It's sort of like a bucket list course. Absolutely kicked my ass. But we, I, my thought was I shouldn't go because I want to watch these games. I'm like, I probably can miss Eagles Bucks. I can probably live with that. And certainly you, you see the result of that game. We're obviously following it and the golf carts and all that. And you're like, yep, not missing anything. So we're kind of finishing up as this game is starting. We've got it, you know, streaming in the car and the drive back. And then we end up, the, the four of us that played all went to El Dorado and Tivoli and we're at the bar. And, uh, and we're all on the Niners. And I waxed poetic pretty intensely about the Niners last week to where I was just ready for all, especially all the Seahawks fans. I mean, like, this aged poorly. Oh, woof. What an idiot. Of course the Niners lost. You're a jinx. All of this. So I really wanted this one. Like outside of the money I had on this game, just for personal pride, I really wanted the Niners to win this game. And, and it was the right side from the jump. The fact that it was only 13 nothing to open the game uh, was felt like it wasn't enough because of how much they dominated the game. The Niners defense was tremendous throughout, allowing just 17 points. Uh, they intercepted Dak once. They sacked him four times. Um, they were incredible, even without Fred Warner at the very end and even without Nick Bosa for the entire second half. They won this game in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is where it was so frustrating. We were sort of making a scene yelling at the TVs at the bar. Thanks to the kind folks at El Dorado for being patient with us. When Josh Norman isn't expect, he's the only one on the planet. There's like 95,000 people in Jerry's world. Everyone knows they're going to try a fake punt. Except for Josh Norman, who just leaves that guy in punt coverage like, we'll just let him catch that. And he's, whoa, they faked it. Who could have thought? Luckily, Mike McCarthy's an idiot and tried to like fool the Niners' defense with leaving the punt unit on the field on first down <laughs> and then tried to rush the offense on and got a delay game penalty. Thank you, Mike McCarthy, for being so inept. Happy to be on the right side of that one. Um, Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell are good enough to keep the Niners close against the Packers. We'll talk to Middlecoff about it, a guy in the Bay Area. I'm going to be on the Niners again uh, going into this one. How worried are you about Bosa and Warner, though? That's a huge Worried about Warner. I anticipate Nick Bosa playing. You don't want to trivialize concussions, but it does feel more often than not that if guys in the concussion protocol are able to get through it and get back on the field the following week, I would be shocked if Nick Bosa played. Now, Fred Warner, initially, it looked like an ACL, and you're thinking, my goodness, this guy's season's done. He looked like he was walking around okay on the sideline, now ankles are super tricky. And you, know, you look at the Bucks with Tristan Wirfs, another big ankle injury we're going to be following throughout the week. Um, Fred Warner not playing against a powerful running game of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon would be a huge bummer. Um, 
but we'll be monitoring throughout the week. So you would be shocked if you said Bosa if he did play. So if, he, if he did not yeah, play. So you're expecting. I'm expecting play, Bosa yeah. to okay. play. Yeah. I might have that, said that wrong, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I am managed. expecting Nick Bosa to play. Yep. Yeah, would be a huge loss if both were out. Not so Joey everyone, Bosa, it turns out, contrary it, to Tony, uh, Tony Romo's <laughs> belief, who said that <laughs> twice yeah. on Sunday. It's like, oh, get your head in the game, Tony. I know Tony Romo kind of caught a stray right there, but I feel like he deserved it. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Okay. Taking shots over here. Uh, Chiefs crushed like, the Steelers. This dude's been in the league for three years. What are we doing? Is it yeah. it twice? Yeah. Say it once. Fine. Say it twice. Right. Come on, guy. His producers let him down there. Uh, Chiefs crushed the Steelers 42-21. This was one. Uh, if this was a game you didn't want to watch, that would be completely understandable. I, though, had Big Ben attempts over. So I was watching this one very closely. I also took Chiefs first half minus seven. Chiefs were the last leg in my teaser, minus seven. And then the Steelers shocked everyone because they took the lead, seven nothing off of TJ Watt's fumble recovery for a touchdown in the first quarter. And at that point, at this point, I'm walking down Fremont Street after a stadium swim, and I'm watching at each TV as I walk by, and my buddies were on Steelers' money line, stupid parlays they put in. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, I'm going to be hearing this. And they're like, oh, and you just took KC first half. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. And then I look at the live live lines. KC went to minus three and a half, four and a half favorite. First half underdog plus three and a half. And I'm like, okay, do I double down now? Like, should I take the Chiefs plus three and a half? That was fine. They covered. Covered the full game. Uh, Chiefs scored touchdowns on six straight possessions, setting up my Big Ben over attempts perfectly. So that hit as well. Uh, Pat Mahomes did Pat Mahomes things. 30 for 39, over 400 yards, five touchdowns, just one interception. Travis Kelsey, of course, had a big game. We knew what this game was going to be. Not a huge surprise, which is why I kind of attacked it at all angles. I don't know how people convince themselves to put their hard-earned money on the Steelers after watching a full season of Pittsburgh Steelers football. Several daiquiris. That's the confidence that. <laughs> and that's why this, outside of my winning pick of the Niners money line, was my value lock whale triple diamond play of the week. And those plays are now one and one, both on the Chiefs, uh, who let me down in week 18 against the Broncos, but came back strong against the Steelers. It was annoying that they played with their food a bit and let the Steelers hang around early, couldn't get in the end zone. And then the brutal uh, Darrell Williams, just drops the football. TJ Watt picks it up and all of a sudden they're down seven, nothing, but it did provide a glorious opportunity to live bet. And this was one where again, conservative better couldn't get myself to put much on it. I think I put like 50 on it, but in my, it, chiefs minus three and a half for the full game. It, it took all of me not to put several hundred dollars down because I was like, there is no chance. This game is less than the touchdown. Now they might not get to the 12 and a half, of what I had against the spread in my parlay with the Niners and other plays, but there's no way this game ends up being under three and a half. So I, I bet that live. And then sure enough, it's interesting. We now debate two teams. They're going to play each other on one hand. The, the bills scored seven touchdowns and seven drives. Remarkable. Yeah, it is. Then the Chiefs scored five touchdowns in a matter of 10 minutes on the game clock. So you see it, it just, it's, it's it's amazing how quickly the Chiefs can just turn a game on its head. And it ended up being exactly what we... This was the least surprising result of the weekend. Ben Roethlisberger, 29 of 44, looks good, but classic Ben Roethlisberger fashion for just 215 yards. And his season ends on the one-yard line. Try to get his last touchdown. No dice. He's like, why couldn't we have just lost that one damn game and I could leave? Yeah, I do. I, I did appreciate when it's 35 7, he throws a touchdown on Deontay Johnson. You know, he's still just the classic Ben, two fingers to the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and he's thinking, at least I got one more. Although all of us at home watching, thinking, I mean, not as betters, but as sports fans, thinking, and maybe Ben in the locker room at halftime too is thinking, why could the Chargers and Raiders just not have tied? I know. Exactly. And spared us from watching Pittsburgh Steelers team one more time. Hey, but I made money on his attempt, so I was happy that he was there. What uh, was it? Was it like 38? It was It was 39 and a half. Yeah. And nice. I, I think it got, it got actually, it lowered before the game. So I guess everyone was taking the unders and I was like, nope. I wanted to just keep hammering the over. I knew it was going to happen. It was his last game. He's never going to play football again. He's just going to sling the thing. There you go. Did. Good win. Yes, sir. But like you mentioned, Chiefs and Bills, which is going to be a great game. The total is 55, super high because we are anticipating Two very good offenses 
against each other. Excited for that. But before we get to that game with John Middlecoff, let's talk the Cardinals and the Rams. The Rams were laying three and a half. 51% of win bet ATS handle. A lot of these games were kind of split right down the middle. The majority of them, actually. 51% of the ATS handle was on the Cardinals here. 62% of the money line handle on the Cardinals. Cardinals, the third team of the last 20 years to go an entire playoff game without converting a third down. They played late in the second quarter with negative yards, negative yards. Rams ended up outgaining them 375 to 183. The Cardinals looked like a high school team. Kyler Murray, I said before, if you guys saw our Twitter video that me and Joe put up, I don't trust this Cardinals team. I have not trusted the Cardinals team. It was really hard when they had the best record in the NFL to say, are they really that good and watching last night? What the hell, man? I think with the Cardinals, it was fair to, to be in on the hype going back to the regular season schedule. It wasn't, you look at the, the Cowboys team that had a, a ton of wins. They won 12 games, but it's so easy to poke holes in their resume and say they played in the NFC East. Are they really that good? The Cardinals had a number of signature wins, particularly on the road against the Titans. They beat the Vikings who were competitive but you're not counting that one necessarily. They beat the Rams. They beat the Niners. Uh, they beat the Browns handily on the road. Um, they beat the Niners a second time on the road. Uh, they beat the, the Seahawks without their starting quarterback. So they had a number of impressive wins during the season. So I don't think it's, it's that they were always frauds and they got figured out, but they did regress immensely. It was embarrassing from the Cardinals. This was a team that once had 90 plus odds, 90 plus percent odds to win the NFC West. In my opinion, the best division in football. Kyler Murray was an early season MVP candidate. The Cardinals offense on Monday night was more broken than the table at a Bills Mafia tailgate. Kyler Murray looked lost. He looked inept. He was a deer in headlights. There was nothing in rhythm. That comes down to himself, again, as an early season MVP candidate. And you can't blame it all on DeAndre Hopkins. I won't buy it. Yes, he's not Aaron Rodgers, where who can go win a game on prime time without Devontae Adams, obviously. But if you're an elite quarterback, you shouldn't look incapable and, and unprepared for the moment, the way Kyler Murray did, which leads me to Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff the Coward. Just under a minute left in the first half, they get the ball. They're down 21 nothing, knowing the Rams get the ball to start the second half. They've got all three timeouts, and they sit on it and go into the halftime locker room. Yes, you can say you want to go back in the, in the locker room and regroup after a terrible first half. That's an opportunity to get points with an offense that should be your strength. You are an offense head offensive head coach. You being an offensive genius, the reason why you were able to fail at Texas Tech and then immediately get hired as an NFL head coach within a matter of months. So how are you going to take a knee, sit on the ball there, and, and go into the locker room with the tail between your legs, basically saying what we do best ain't cutting it, and we don't believe in it? That, to me, is unacceptable. This is the third time these two teams played as division rivals. The fact that it was so lopsided speaks to coaching. And you have Sean McVay, who's one of the best in football, and Cliff Kingsbury, who might not be long for this league as a head coach in the NFL an embarrassment from the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night. Yeah, I agree. Instead of trying to flip momentum, like let's just keep riding out this really crappy feeling and head into the locker room. I, I didn't even think about it like that. And, and you're right. And you bring up a good point that the Cardinals were beating a lot of very legitimate teams. But since losing that game to the Rams last time, they lost to the Lions, got blown out after that. Lost to the Colts, understandable. And then lost to the, like, they're, they were picked apart by the Seahawks before this, before the Rams. So they literally fell off the cliff. If we're talking that cliff that you that you jump off of after a good game golfing, the Cardinals have jumped off of that cliff. Uh, we won't be seeing them anymore. So that's that. Shameful. <laughs> All right, Joe, it's time to bring in our special guest for today. Former NFL scout, host of the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast host of 3 and Out podcast on Volume Sports. You can find him on Twitter at John Middlecoff. He is... John Middlecoff. Thanks for joining us, John. How are we doing today? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. <laughs> I was about to say uh, happy Monday, but it is Tuesday, so that's where I'm at over here. Uh, how was your weekend? How, how are you doing over there in the Bay Area? 
it was good. You know, like probably uh, the majority of Americans uh, watched a lot of football starting with the Raider game up until, you know, Sunday night started dozing a little bit about halftime of that chief Steeler game. We kind of got a feel that that thing was going one way, but uh, you know, it kind of uh, the, the, the highlight of the weekend for sure was the, the Cowboy Niner game and the hype, you know, I obviously live in the Bay area, but just, you know, growing up on that game and then having the drama that was that game. And, you know, it was, it, it was cool for sure. John, you and I got to know each other when I used to cover the Niners. Um, and it's, it's great to have you on the show here. I appreciate you, man. Um, we start uh, every single one of our shows with the segment called Victory Lap and Hold This L, where uh, usually gives Claudia a chance to brag about her wins because she's better at this than I am. And I hold my L's uh, and I do it proudly. Uh, we had a very good weekend um, recapping uh, Wild Card Weekend. I'm curious how your, your bet slips uh, treated you this past weekend and the weekend of uh, the sixth uh, game slate. Yeah, I mean, I hammered the money line for the 49ers, and that got a little dicey toward the end. Uh, I, I, I love Unnecessarily so. I, I, I loved the Bills minus four. Now, I didn't think it was going to look like that, but uh, you, you just... That game in Buffalo, you know, I'm not a big Mac Jones guy, even though it wasn't his fault. Uh, that, that that was about as easy of a victory as you'll have. And, and the game that I, I didn't have a great feel on, but I just, you know, it's the playoffs. You got to have a little action. You know, the Raiders plus five and a half uh, was tough. I mean, they, they got, they got worked, but they still had a chance at the end, at least, you know, potentially get it to overtime and then maybe a field goal and you just cover. But you know, I'm not sure Derek Carr realizes to score a touchdown, you have to throw it past the uh, the goal line. So uh, that's something that hopefully in the in the future we can uh, we can work on in these. You know, it's the first playoff game, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we'd like we'd like to push the ball down the field in that situation. Claudia, I like how John just explained that Raiders game because that's exactly how every Raiders <laughs> game goes. You watch them, and you're like, they're not that good, and yet in the fourth quarter. They inexplicably have a chance to win. Well, that is why I kept my money far away from Derek Carr. Uh, but with Wild Card Weekend behind Smart. us, when we, when we look at that, all of those games, favorites went 5-1. and one. I'm curious to see how you kind of put that into consideration moving forward now that we have the divisional round. I want to start with the Bengals and Titans. We have the Titans laying three and a half at home. This is the Saturday early game. Derek Henry practiced early last week, not activated yet for my R, so we're not really sure what to expect. He's expected to play. The question is workload. Joe and I have been hot on this Bengals team pretty much all season, maybe me a little longer than Joe. Now we know they're dealing with some D-line injuries. There's some questions about that. How are you approaching this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be a sexy pick this week, but, you know, the advantage that the Titans and the Packers have coming off the bye week, and specifically the Titans, right, getting their, I mean, the best player on the team back, I would expect him to play. I mean, you saw some of those clips last week at practice. If you didn't know, like if he had just been healthy, he would. It just would have been normal practice clips. So he he looks pretty good to me. And they had kind of been circling this, like he's going to be back for the playoffs. He's going to be back for the playoffs, and then he's back for the playoffs. Uh, I think the Bengals just run out of juice here. You know, the Titans are a weird team, right? They're like, uh, I think statistically one of the worst number one seeds of all time when you factor in their point differential. And when you watch them, you go, I don't know. But when Henry's there. Mike Vrabel, you remember a couple years ago, they rattled off a bunch of road playoff victories. This year, I mean, they kind of, they won a lot. They beat a lot of good teams. Think how many teams are still left that they've, they've beat. So I, I think that everyone, because Joe Burrow and he's so cool and Jamar Chase is freaking awesome, a lot of people are going to pick them. But I, to me, the Titans are the pick in this game. Now, once they play the winner of this Chiefs-Bills game, that, that's why I'll fade the Titans, but uh, I'm going to hammer them this weekend for sure. I think this is one where if you're on the Titans, you have to take it now. And if you're on the Bengals, you probably wait because if Derrick Henry does play and becomes official late in the week when that injury report comes out, then I think that line is going to go up a couple of points. So even if you're teasing the Bengals, you can get it up over 10 at that point, most likely. Um John, a game both of us are going to have a keen eye on. Niners at Packers. These two teams have had a number of classic matchups. The Packers have won the two most recent games, although that one at, at Levi Stadium this year was a game they had no business winning. The Niners choked that away at the very end. But you only have to go back a couple years to where the Niners dominated the Packers twice, uh, once during the regular season, and then 37-20 to 20 in the NFC Championship game on San Francisco's route to the Super Bowl. Where do you have this game? I, I said last week, I think this Niners team is better than... Uh, maybe we give them credit to. They had a lot of clunkers during the season, but it, when they're playing their best, 
I don't think they're necessarily that far off. They're the, the 2019 version of themselves. Yeah, I mean, I just think this is tough. I mean, they've played really three of their last four games, right? Starting with the Titans on Thursday night within the last month that they lost. Then, you know, the game a week ago or a little longer than that now at SoFi Stadium, which was just, you know, an overtime war zone. And then that game last week, even though they were in control of it, it was a very, very physical game that you just wonder playing a team off a bye. Now the Niners get a short week. Uh, It's just, you know, and all those games I listed have been road games, right? The Titans game, the Rams game, this game against Dallas, and now this game against the Packers. I mean, I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl last year. I'm going to do it again, reluctantly. Uh, Not because I don't think they're the best team. You just look at their history. They've lost a lot of these games. You know, not necessarily either this week or the following week. Now, I, I think this team, this Packer team is dramatically better than the one in 19 that the Niners destroyed. Uh, they run the ball a lot better. Aaron Rodgers, remember that year, just a couple months later, they draft Jordan Love. Like Aaron Rodgers was not the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen the last couple of years. He was trending the wrong way. Well, he's just, you know, kind of a master of his domain right now. Devontae's, you know, the best receiver in the league, if, depending on if they get some of the, you know, Zadarius Smith back and Jair Alexander back. Now, the one thing the 49ers have, and you saw it really the last two weeks, is they, they got guys who have been in the biggest games. You know, a lot of their core guys have been in the Super Bowl. They just have stars. And anytime you have that, you have a chance. I, I just, they got to find a way to just kind of keep it close at halftime because I, it wouldn't be, it'd be understandable if they, if they ran out of gas. Now, their coach is a star. Uh, you know, they can really run the ball. But this this game in Lambeau to me is Saturday night is just going to be bananas, right? This is and you saw it a little bit last week when I went to the Rams game. It was basically I think it was more than 50-50 49er fans. Then you saw it last week at the Cowboys game. It was probably like you know a lot of Cowboy fans. They weren't selling their seats. This thing is going to be one hundred percent. I mean, besides maybe some like family members. This is all Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a weatherman, but. I checked out weather.com and it looks like it's going to be cold. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be very cold. And if you remember, I mean, once upon a time, the Niners went in there in a frigid condition with Jim Harbaugh and Kaepernick and those guys. Uh, but I, but I think those Packer teams were a lot softer than this one. So I, I, I don't think like last week against the Packers where they kind of shoved them around, it's going to be as easy to do that. It's, this would be, I mean, <laughs> this would be a, this would be the most impressive win of, of Kyle's career. Uh, you know, and obviously he went to a Super Bowl two years ago. I don't even think it'd be close if he'd go in and do this. So I'm, they're an underdog for a reason. I actually think the lines, you know, you could probably put the line at like minus seven. I, I think that would be fair given the short week, given that the Packers are coming off a bye. So, you know, if you like the Packers, I, I think there's some value there. I was going to say it is the biggest spread on the board, but again, I think it probably should be a little more too. To get it under a touchdown, it's kind of hard not to take. Five and you might have to take it now yeah. because it's already back up to six. You know, so I think it started around there. It's, it, been, it was bet down a bit and now is going back up. Yep. Currently on win bet, it is uh, Packers and minus yesterday, six. yesterday, Kyle announced J- Jimmy's hurt again. Yeah, hand, you know, he's got yeah. a sprained shoulder. He's and got you don't really trust finger. him to he's begin just... with. So if his hand's also. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you right now, I'm going to tease the Niners. I just don't, they're too good to get blown out in my opinion. Um, but I agree for the reasons you mentioned. The Packers are a damn good team. They're the number one seed for a reason. And Aaron Rodgers likely on his way to a second straight MVP. He put on a master class of quarterbacking the second half of that season. Um, next game up is the Rams and the Bucks. The Rams are three-point dogs. They beat the Bucks at home quite handily earlier in the season. Uh, the Bucks are banged up. Tristan Wirfs might not play. Ryan Jensen might not play. The Rams... Looked spectacular on Monday night against the Cardinals in what was a comprehensive beatdown of their division rival. To me, uh, that says more about the Cardinals failing to show up and being frauds um, compared to their early season run. But the Rams are a a damn good team, and and they are uh, superstar-laden on both sides of the football. Where do you see this game uh, in the early going? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the Rams... I, you know, I, I like Tom Brady, but I've just had enough of him. You know, we, we, we've seen this movie 7 million times. <laughs> but how do you bet against Tom Brady in this situation? They're at home, you know, a little bit like the 49ers. Now, the game was a lot easier for the Rams, but you're coming off a short week, long travel, right? I mean, five-hour f- flight. Uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult. Now, if Matt Stafford and the team is going to play flawlessly, which they have not done in the second half, the guy's been a turnover machine, 
they have a chance. I mean, Sean McVay's a star, like a legitimate star coach. You know, that's I saw yesterday. It's his fourth playoff win. Uh, you win playoff games. That's where you become like start separating yourself from the pack. And I, I get the Cardinals are you know a pretty average team. It turns out, but he killed them. And I, I give Sean McVay a lot of credit for having his team, given how devastating the loss they just had. And I, they ended up winning the division because the Cardinals had lost to Seattle. But it sure, I'm sure it didn't feel like winning the division in that locker room. So to come out like that, to have Stafford play that under control, I mean, how good did Cam Akers look? Uh, it, it could just be, it, to me, if the Rams win, two things have to happen. One, Stafford has to play like he did yesterday. You can't turn the ball over. And two, maybe just the Bucks. like some of these injuries, you just run out of gas. I mean, how, how many guys can get injured before you just, you, you're a shell of yourself. Even if you have the greatest quarterback ever who, I know they were playing the Eagles, but man, the guy looked like he was 28 years old, not 44 years old. I hope I look that good when I'm 44. So it's, I, I just don't really like watching Bucks home games. It feels, you know, relative to the rest, you know, these Lambeau games, Dallas, even the Rams, it feels like, God, it feels like kind of archaic. But uh, I, as long as Tom and Gronk are playing like that, I, yeah, and Bruce Arians, you know, is, has been one of the best coaches in the league for the last, ever since he went to the Cardinals, really before that, right? That when he was the interim coach for the Colts, uh, I, I'm rooting for the Rams, but I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to see the Bucks lose this game. I mean, we saw the Saints do it twice. Tom, Tom Brady does have his weaknesses and this Bucks team does have its weaknesses, of course, huge game. So it would be interesting to see. Let's get to the Bills. As much as I don't want to talk about them, I have been hot on the Bills. Like they were my other team if I wasn't a Patriots fan. I Game have a Josh Allen MVP of ticket. The weekend. Yes, it is. And I'm kind of leaning Bills here. Chiefs are laying two and a half. But after watching what the Bills just did to the Patriots, it's sort of hard not to want to take them with the points, especially in a teaser spot. Like, how could you not want to hammer the Bills? What do you think, John? Well, I mean, the Chiefs have been to uh multiple back-to-back Super Bowls and they win this game, they're going to be favored to go back to their third. You know, I, I think you saw this weekend, those two, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City benefit a lot from their home field. And Kansas City getting home field in this game to me is the difference because Josh Allen, he looked like Elway meets Marino meets like Favre the other night. But Patrick Mahomes didn't look too shabby himself, right? He threw five touchdowns. They have a coach who's accomplished more than Sean McDermott. Really, Sean McDermott, you know, his whole career started with Andy Reid. He started back in the day as like Andy Reid's assistant and worked his way up. So these guys know each other really well. I think they're very similar teams. You know, I think once we saw Mahomes' success, the, the Bills took a huge swing with Josh Allen and it, and it worked out. Uh, you know, to me, this is, if this was a neutral field, it would just be a coin flip game. But I think the game being at Arrowhead, you just, it's hard. You know, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, their core guys just know how to win. Now, if the Bills win this game, to me, they're they're probably winning the Super Bowl or at least going to the Super Bowl. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to mess with them. But I like a little bit like the Bucks. Uh, until you take out Kansas City, I, I I can't bet against Kansas City, especially at home. That that to me, you know, we talked about the Bucks. Their home field advantage, like Kansas City's home field advantage, has been a real deal for you know decades now. And this is by far their best iteration these last several years of their team with Patrick. So I don't know. It's going to be, uh, I can't wait. I mean, this is, this is the game of the year, I would say on paper for sure. So oh, you, yeah. you have the Chiefs and Packers in the Super Bowl, it sounds like. Did you have any preseason futures uh, to reflect that to where you can potentially cash in uh, should either team make it and or win it? I, I did not. But I, I'm not a big future guy because I'm not patient. You know, I, yeah. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. That's my problem. And I would, you know, if let's say I would have had a Niners future for the playoffs, I, I would have, you know, put holes through the wall, you know, in like a mid November. I, I can't go through the ebb and flow as a gambler. It, I got to be in and out. You know, I, I can place a bet on Tuesday or Wednesday for the weekend, but I, I can't wait three, four months. I just, I'm not wired like that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I don't really met now. Sometimes like I'll do, you know, like toward the end of the season, if there's good value, like two or three to one on a player to win an MVP or whatever. But I, I've never been one like over under win totals and stuff like that. I, I just do not, I'm not, I don't have the patience. I, I can't do it. Did you have an MVP? Cause I was going to say, I forget half of the futures I put in and I'll be like, Oh, wow, this ticket's still alive. I totally forgot I placed that, but I, I understand not wanting to wait, but did you have an MVP? Do you have an MVP ticket right now? 
I, I, I don't. I mean, if I was going to put one in it early in the season, it would have been on Josh Allen. Uh, and you would have felt like you had a chance midseason, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. all of a sudden it feels like, you know, Brit, uh, Rogers is basically a lock and Josh Allen, because the way the voting system works, right? You can only vote for one guy. He's not, he won't even get a vote. Yeah. Yep. Well, I still have my ticket just in case a miracle happens. Uh, John Middlecoff, thank you so much for joining us. Go follow him on Twitter at John Middlecoff. Make sure to check out his podcast, Three and Out on Volume Sports and Haberman and Middlecoff Podcast. Thank you, John. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. See ya. Yeah. What a guy. I always enjoy seeing his, his posts on Twitter and Instagram, but it's nice to actually get to talk to him one-on-one. John's great. He's a, he's a man never short of an opinion, which I think is always fun. To me, and that's how I like to approach this, is I'd rather have an opinion and be wrong than not have an opinion. Um, and he's always a very entertaining follow, certainly covering Bay Area sports, but, but really anything in his background of being in media, but also working for a team as a scout uh, is super fun. Him and Guy Haberman do a wonderful job on their podcast. Um, number of takeaways from what he said. I mean, he's clearly much more um, on the favorites than I am. You know, I'm going to play a different kind of set of bets with the underdogs as much as I can get. And I'm probably going to wait till the end of the week to see if I can get some some value on the Titans game, like I mentioned with with him while he we had him. If if Derrick Henry plays, you expect that line to go from three and a half uh, to maybe four or five. Um, and then with the Niners already at six, maybe you can get them at a touchdown. Um, I think I get what he's saying about the grueling stretch the Niners have been on, and I'm probably underselling the Packers a bit and will probably be to my undoing. Um, but yeah, these games should be so good. I, I know I'm already convinced myself of Rams, Bengals, Bills and Chiefs is going to be an interesting one. I haven't gotten there yet, but he was oh. fantastic. Great insight and analysis as always. Better to have an opinion be wrong than not have one. I'm going to tease the Packers down to a pick them if I can. I'm actually going to play this right after. I'll take the Bengals and the Bills with the points and a teaser with the Packers down to a pick them. But I hear you. Niners, we'll have, Niners we'll have a full good. breakdown on Thursday. Niners look good. We will. But yep. it's good to touch on and, and hop it. on those numbers now if you can because they will likely be moving. Before we get to winning picks, we've got a new promo to share with you. It's a football parlay bonus. Win, lose, or push a parlay with four legs or more in the amount of $20 or greater Thursday through Monday only, and you'll receive a $10 free bet, which you can turn into a lot of money. Parlays, especially with four legs. So go ahead to winbet.com, download the WinBet app for official rules and details. And now to winning picks. Joe and I are out of the basement. Well, not out of the basement, but we have one, one winning pick. We're both one and three right now. But remember, these are just winning picks. I went eight and two this week. He went six and zero. Oh, so make sure you're following us on Twitter at Cbellafato TV and at Joe Fan underscore Joe underscore Fan. Joe but, underscore you know fan. that thing gets tricky. It moves sometimes, and so right now it's just Darn right it. there, right there in the middle. Because whoever Joe Fan is with no underscore, he can kick rocks. <laughs> I looked it up. He doesn't even tweet. Oh, that's the worst. I had the same thing when I tried to do a website. Sorry, like, the underscore adds character. Yeah, literally one it, character. Yeah. Ah, get it? I, I do get it. Uh, not a ton of action for tonight. Just two NBA games, and I believe we were both on them. I will let you go first, Joe. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, we're transitioning to hoops a little bit here. And I'm excited for hoop season because it's. I'm going to dive deeper into the build-your-own-bet feature that we have on WinBet. And then now it's not just NBA or NFL games, but every NBA slate or every NBA game on every slate each day you can use the build your own bet tool. And so I did that for the Knicks and T-Wolves game. And you're playing around with it. You don't have to get an idea of what works, what doesn't. And so I think my, my sort of strategy in my head is find matchups that you like and then try to add a couple of sure things to add to the juice of it. Now, that's dangerous from the standpoint of nothing's ever a sure thing. Um, but also you add potential ankle sprains in there in the first quarter or foul trouble or whatever that derails the whole thing. So let's have some fun with this one here on this Tuesday, a special Tuesday edition of Bet to Win. Uh, it's five legs. Two of them, uh, I think, we're, we're not necessarily reaching for, but you're hoping they're adding the value to the play and then three that you feel like should be sure things. Julius Randle, 25 points plus rebounds. The Wolves allow the sixth most boards to power forwards. Julius Randle has hit this total in three straight games. Mitchell Robinson, 
Uh, the Wolves, or he's, I'm taking him 18 points plus rebounds. The Wolves are allowing the fourth, fourth most points to centers uh, this season, and he's reached this total in three out of four. And then on the T-Wolves side, this is a three-man show running this team, and I'm taking what I would expect to be chalk plays. Carl Anthony Towns, 25 points plus rebounds. He's had 25 points without even considering the rebounds in four straight games. He's been dominant of late. Anthony Edwards, 15 points. He averages just over 22 a game. Hit this in 10 of 11. D'Angelo Russell, over 14 points, averaging 18.6 points per game. Uh, he's hit this 11 of 13. The Knicks are 16th in defensive rating, so I feel it all feels very doable. Yeah. Um, there you go. I like One, it. Quick, quick recap. Build your own bet. Five legs, plus 360. Julius Randle, 25 points plus rebounds. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, 18 points plus rebounds. Cat. 25 points plus rebounds. Anthony Edwards, 15 points. D'Angelo Russell, 14 points plus 360. I'm going to keep it simple over here. I'm just going to lay a boatload of points with the Warriors. They're laying 15, but they're playing the Pistons, so it makes me feel a little bit better. The Pistons, second worst record in the East. Warriors, second best in the West. Warriors are in a little bit of a slump right now. Klay Thompson is shaking rust off still. Draymond Green is out with a disc issue in his back. Steph Curry is fighting a sore hand. They have lost five of their last seven. However, they just beat the Bulls number one in the East by 42 on Friday. They have a deep bench. They have the second best record ATS at home, which they are. They're 16 and three against teams under 500, which the Pistons definitely are. They're 20 and four in games decided by 10 points or more. Laying 15 here. The Pistons, like I said, definitely under 500, having won just 10 games this season. They've lost 13 of their last 14 road games. They have the worst offensive rating in basketball. Now facing the Warriors, who have the best defensive rating. Their past four losses have come by an average of 33 points. And good teams sometimes play down. We see that, but it's not vice versa here. That's not the same situation. The Pistons are 5-21 and 21 against teams above 500. So it is a lot of points to lay. Hopefully it's not a backdoor situation, but I, I do like the Warriors here. As a big Clay Thompson fan, I hope this is the get right game for him where he kind of breaks out. He hasn't been shooting the ball the way he wants to. I love his quote saying, but I'm going to continue to shoot because that's what I do best. And it certainly is that the Pistons give up the fifth most points to shooting guards uh, this season. I like Clay here. I will lay the points with you in tail. Yeah, I actually might look at some props later on, like you said, for Clay, because I expect this to be... Each game, a little more rust shakes off, especially when you yeah. have some injuries with your key guys, you're going to have to step up a little more. Um, so, Warriors. Go, Go Dubs. Warriors. So, this is Tuesday. We will be... We just have one day off. Then back on Thursday, Joe and I will do a little... More of a deep dive into our picks for the divisional round. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Again, the way the wild card weekend slate opened outside of our bets happy they cashed mm -hmm. but in terms of just the excitement and the anticipation going into each game i don't think we could have asked for four better matchups oh yeah now everyone's good <laughs> we, we we got rid of the the teams that probably shouldn't have been there yep all right y'all that's it episode 35 we will catch you guys on thursday <laughs>